On this episode of the After the Timeout podcast, we are joined by Ryan Gensler, assistant women's basketball coach at the University of Illinois. We talked to Coach Gensler about moving up the ladder in the coaching profession, putting together a recruiting class as a recruiting coordinator, and balancing being a coach and a young father. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout podcast. All right, Coach, so we'd like to start every segment with what we call the opening tip. Um, we just wanted you to tell us about your journey, right? You've kind of done everything, a GA, adobo, assistant, recruiting coordinator, been different areas of the country, right, all kinds of different experiences. So we just wanted to, you know, especially you being here new to, to Illinois, uh, yeah. get our listeners to know you a little bit and, and kind of where you're where you're from and what you've been doing and then maybe a little bit about the program what you guys are doing yeah so uh, i grew up in syracuse new york so obviously basketball was king up there um and uh made my way to uh, st joseph's university uh where i was a manager and practice player uh, as an undergrad for the hawks um loved it spent uh, all my time in the office uh doing old film exchange doing whatever i could for the coaches and, and really kind of fell in love with the game and it's really good advice from uh, one of my good friends who was also getting into coaching. Uh, he was a, a student assistant for Kirk Ferentz up in Iowa. Um, his, his dad was a former offensive and defensive coordinator at Syracuse, Mark DeLeon. Um, and he said, right, just, if you're interested, you got, you got to do it now. And you got to get into to coaching and you got to just dive headfirst. Like you can't be wishy-washy about it because it's, it's a tough industry to break into you know, learning everything that you need to learn, you know, you got to just go and do it. And so I threw myself at it and uh, my junior year and, and really, you know, tried to uh, network as best as I could to, you know, get that next step and get that ball rolling. And uh, fortunate for me, I was able to, to land a GA spot at Providence College with Phil Seymour. Phil had worked with John Beeline uh, for a number of years in his path and uh, John Beeline's cousins were the Nylons uh, in Syracuse and uh, Tom Nylon was the old athletic director at Lemoyne College in Syracuse and his son um, uh, was actually someone who gave me a ride to school every morning with my next door neighbor so uh, that's kind of how I got in the door with Phil at Providence and um, he loved that beeline connection and uh, we hit it off right away and that kind of uh, streamlined me to be their ops person uh, a couple months into the job the uh, the operations person took another job elsewhere, and so he didn't really want to hire anyone. And he just said, "Hey," he called me the R. He said, "Hey R, can you uh, can you do this job?" And I said, "Sure, coach. Why not?" So I just got thrown into the fire and um, and did the ops job for uh, for the opening year. They ended up hiring someone uh, the following season, uh, and, and I helped her a little bit, but was able to finish my my graduate assistantship and. I get my master's in counseling, uh, which I loved. I worked at a local high school for my internship hours and really got an understanding that, you know, it's not just coaching. It's not just X and O's like 90% of the job is, is relationship building and uh, really taking care of the whole person um, of our, our student athletes. So that was a really big step for, for me and just being young, but understanding what this job actually entailed. Um, so uh, from there, I was able to get kind of uh, tap into the upstate New York roots again and uh, get involved at St. Bonaventure University as an assistant coach. Jim Crowley was from Binghamton, New York, and um, really loved, you know, this, the central New York connection. So 
caught lightning in a bottle there as we, uh, we went to the Sweet 16 at, at Bonnie's. Uh, my very first year, I was super spoiled in, in college athletics. Um, my first year with one of the smallest schools in the country, uh, with one of the smallest budgets in the country, going to the Sweet 16. And uh, I just thought that's how it went. And uh, <laughs> um, it was an awesome opportunity. He taught me a lot. He's a money ball guy, Oakland A's guy. So like he opened my mind in the different ways of thinking because you had to think differently and only in New York. Um, but it also allowed me a great opportunity to really learn the craft there. Uh, there's, there's not a lot to do over there. Um, so, you know, getting involved with ball, really studying it, really kind of honing your skills as a coach was uh, something that I really took a lot of pride in and that he allowed you to do. So um, I'm exceptionally grateful for him for, for that opportunity because that really springboarded me forward. Got on it at Loyola, Maryland with Joe Logan. He was a St. Joe guy. had worked for Cindy Griffin. Uh, you know, a Jesuit school similar to St. Joe's where I went to college, uh, was a recruiting coordinator there, helped them transition into the Patriot League, which was kind of cool. They recruited kind of a different uh, level kid as far as academics. And uh, while I was in Baltimore, uh, I would frequent Philadelphia uh, where my old stopping grounds were. And um, one night at Finn McCool's uh, local Irish pub there, I met my wife and um, and uh, the rest, they say, is history. Um <laughs> Uh, we, we ended up moving down to Gainesville, Florida, and uh, I got on as a video coordinator there. She went there to work with her company, 160 Over 90, um, a marketing uh, company that was servicing University of Florida. And uh, so, you know, we set up shop there and a couple of years into that, um, uh, Amanda Butler, you know, got let go and uh, Shauna got the job at Dayton and, um, you know, we reconnected. Uh, she was an assistant coach at Providence. So everything kind of came full circle. Uh, there and, and we moved and got married, uh, you know, coming up on our, our five-year wedding anniversary here on the 20th and um, do the Dayton deal. And, and now we're at, we're at Illinois. Um, but I, I can't thank Shauna enough for taking a chance on me to work with her at Dayton. As we had, uh, I had five really good years with her. She had six and, you know, multiple conference championships, multiple NCAA tournament appearances. And, you know, that paved the way to, um, you know, this opportunity at Illinois where, you know, I think it's it's an unbelievable school from an academic standpoint, which really took me by surprise. I didn't know much about the university when um, when the opportunity kind of first presented itself. And the more I researched it, the more I understood that, you know, it's in the upper echelon of the Big Ten as far as academics. And I think that's an unbelievable sell. I think once kids get on campus and they start meeting with the, the, the professors, the people that work and service uh, the student athletes, they get a much better understanding of, of what kind of a high level institution it is. And um, that has given me a lot of juice on the recruiting trail to really talk passionately about it, but talk passionately about it because I believe it and, and I've been able to see it in, uh, in five or six short weeks there so far. All right. So let's, let's go into that. Uh, you mentioned your family and, mm -hmm. and your, your travels. Uh, we talked a little bit about before we got on here. Um, Right, you're 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 a dad, you're a husband, um, so all that stuff. So as a as a college basketball coach, I guess it's just as a coach in general, mm -hmm. how do you how do you balance that work life balance, right? Because we all know when it's basketball, right? And and you yeah. got added of the high school, you know, high school coach mm -hmm. and all that. So so how do you find that balance um, to kind of make everything work? It's, it's a challenge. And it's, it, I think the day that you think you have it figured out is the day that you're wrong. Um, Cause it's a, it's a constant uh, challenge to, to figure, figure that out. I think it's really important to, to prioritize, you know, your, your family, my, my wife, 
uh, is a saint. Uh, she's a saint for everything that she does in, in taking care of the household. Um, and also, you know, raising our son and, and, you know, kind of reminding me at times to reprioritize things. And um, that's really important. And you can get astray from that really quickly because you're so competitive. You're, you're so in the moment of trying to, you know, win the day uh, for your school and for your players and for recruits and for everyone else that you can easily get sidetracked into losing focus of, of who's most important, you know, in your lives that if, you know, the world ended tomorrow, who do you want to be surrounded with? And it's certainly, you know, your family. And, you know, we, I think the, the really cool thing about why I love working with Shauna is that, you know, she really instills those family values within the program. And so they're, they're really interwoven into, you know, how we want to do things. So, you know, often families invited, you know, to participate in a lot of things that we do with the team, you know, whether that's road trips, whether that's, you know, official visits, um, tailgates, you know, things like that, uh, which is really nice because then you're able to blend both of those things together. And I think it's really cool for the players to see me as a father, uh, see me as a husband as well, um, and not just as a, as a coach or, you know, someone, you know, in that practice setting or basketball setting all the time. And I think when you can kind of humanize it, uh, I think that's when you can help really build relationships because uh, we're, we're just regular folks at the end of the day. First of all, I just wanted to go back to, he said Finn McCool, so now Illinois listeners can relate because there is a Finn McCool's uh, in our area as well. Is there really? There is. Well, uh, that might be uh, the first date night that I take my wife. <laughs> that would be full circle. Yeah. Um, we wanted to to just hit on, you know, you kind of talked about Bonaventure and, and Loyola, Maryland and Providence and Florida, et cetera. You know, can you kind of just take us through maybe something you learned from each stop or maybe something unique about each stop? I know before we we came on, we kind of talked about the, the champagne wins, but maybe just something you learned or, or grew from each of those stops. Yeah, I think, you know, Providence certainly taught me just um, work ethic, you know, uh, juggling a couple of different hats with that, juggling school all at the same time, you know, I left the office when the sun was down every night and that was very normal. And um, that was nice because you were surrounded by a lot of other graduate assistants. There's a lot of GAs at Providence that helped the athletic department. And so it was nice to be in that environment with a lot of other ones that were similar. Um, so that really taught me, you know, the work ethic part of it. Uh, St. Bonaventure taught me simplicity. Uh, obviously the landscape around it is very simple. The, the people there are very passionate, but live simple lifestyles and love it. Um, you know, for me, and, and that really correlated to the basketball court as well, because what we ran was simple. The things that we valued were simple. We didn't want to turn the ball over. We wanted to take high percentage shots. Like it sounds really normal basketball speak, but like that was what was really ingrained in the players. You weren't going to see a player take a bad shot. If you saw a player turn the ball over, they were coming out of the game. I mean, we, we led the conference in fewest turnovers. You know, we, we led the conference in field goal percentage both offense and defense. And, you know, it was kind of like an army Navy style uh, basketball, but that taught me a different way of thinking on things when you're like, when everyone wants to play fast and everyone wants to, and you know, you just see the other side of it. It's like, well, you know, the other team can't score if they don't have the ball and, you know, you'll always be in the game against some of the better teams. If you're not turning the ball over, you're taking good shots, you're making them and then you're making it tough for the offense to score it. So, you know, we were never going to outmatch anyone. So that was kind of our neutralizer and kind of an Army-Navy uh, type style. And, and it was kind of ahead of the time because we were running five-out stuff. 
um, like right before the Warriors really popularized it. And we didn't have a big post. We wanted a, a post player that could shoot the three. Uh, we wanted to play with four guards and spread you and make it challenging. And I think it was kind of revolutionary at the time. Um, and turns out that's how everyone wants to play now. <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, Loyola, uh, you know, taught me a lot from, I would say probably just from a, a player relationship standpoint, our, our head coach, Joe Logan really put the players first and a lot of what uh, he thought about on a daily basis in um, just kind of their mental well-being and, you know, um, making it a, a great student athlete experience. Um, so that was definitely something that, uh, you know, I learned from him outside of some good XOs. He was really sharp uh, on the board and, and what we ran. Um, and then, you know, Florida was definitely culture building. You know, you get to that level and, and Amanda Butler was really good uh, with how she built her culture, how she named it, how she branded it. Uh, how she reinstilled it on a daily basis and, and really, you know, had the players uh, believe it and carry out the message. Um, and, and they really bought into it. And then, you know, certainly at Dayton now, uh, you know, before Illinois with, with Shauna, uh, it was, it was, you know, kind of a cultivation of all those things. It was, you know, her one way culture um, with a head coach that still, you know, worked like an assistant coach, you know, she didn't, there was nothing that she wouldn't do. You know, she didn't have head coach syndrome in any aspect of, of the program. There's not anything that she would ask us to do that she wouldn't have done or would do. Um, so it was really empowering to see a leader, you know, really be in the trenches with you um, and kind of, you know, be there through the thick and the thin, um, you know, with those highs and lows of recruiting battles, highs and lows of games, you know, she, uh, you know, just had that great passion that, you know, that, that she carried over with her when she was an assistant coach. And, you know, certainly that that message has kind of um, stayed the same, you know, these opening weeks at, at Illinois. And um, I think it's a total credit to her that, you know, she's been able to bring a lot of the people, a lot of those ingredients from that Dayton culture, you know, um, you know, even a Calamity McIntyre who was at University of Texas, you know, an elite eight program to be able to bring her back uh, to this culture is, I think, speaks volumes to the things that we do and, and how much belief there is in, in Coach Green and in the program. So now that we've, we've kind of gotten to know you, let, let's kind of get into just some aspects we wanted to hit with you. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we've we seen that, you know, you're a recruiting coordinator. Todd and I, as we say, a joke with every guest, we really like to do our homework. I think sometimes guests are kind of flabbergasted at what we find, but um, you know, you, you've worked as a recruiting coordinator for, for the, the listeners out there that maybe are, you know, high school or junior high coaches or, or young college coaches for you, what are some keys to putting together a, a recruiting class? Um, you know, and, and what are some things that you look for that are maybe uncoachable? We'll kind of start with those two. Yeah, I think, you know, I say it all the time. My wife makes fun of me because I, I say it all the time. It's you got to have a, a chip on your shoulder. Uh, you, you can't be the cool kid in the gym. Um, you, that, that shows right away. Um, I, I think for us, it, we always want the hardest workers thing. Anytime that hardworking DNA matches with the work ethic of our coaches, the kids can get exponentially better. And that's something that we really believe in in the player development. Um, so first and foremost, like you've got to be hardest worker, you know, and that's got to show in your game, whether that's, you know, diving on loose balls, you know, being first to the floor, uh, rebounding outside of your area, 
Um, you know, and, and then, you know, just how you carry yourself on the defensive end, you know, do you shy away from guarding? Do you, you know, want to guard the best player, you know, those kind of things. And you can kind of tell that real early, kind of just what that player's demeanor is like. Uh, so you got to have that demeanor for us first and foremost, that you got to kind of look the part, um, you know, we want the best player on the floor and you got to look like it and act like it. And, um, and you can't be too cool to do the stuff that makes the, the best, the best. Um, so uh, for me, it's those things right, right from the get go. If you're not willing to do any of those things and it's going to be really tough um, to, to sell you to, to coach green. Um, but we love everyone to be able to shoot the ball from, from the perimeter or just shoot the ball in general. Um, and I don't mean like you, you've got to, you know, lead the team in three point shooting. Um, you know, we focus a lot on the fundamentals of shooting, of keeping a tight pocket, uh, holding your follow through, making sure that your feet are right. So we want everyone to be able to shoot the ball on the floor. Uh, so for, you know, our guards, we'd like them to be three level scores. You know, we like them to be able to shoot the three, hit the pull up and, and get all the way to the basket, kind of contrary to the, the modern uh, threes or layups concept that you, you hear so often in uh, NBA, WNBA and, and some college teams. Um, but in even our, our forwards, we want to be able to, to shoot the ball. So uh, versatility is, is a big key for us. Uh, everyone's got to be able to handle the ball. Everyone's got to be able to shoot the ball. Um, so having that kind of chip on your shoulder with some versatility is definitely going to be, get you noticed. Um, and then, you know, as far as, you know, you mentioned like a recruiting class, are you talking like what gets you noticed and what's the best practice on their well, side? You know, I would say from, from the time, you know, maybe you, you guys, you know, I, I coach collegiately a little at the D3 level and I know sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll write down a list of the people you see and mm -hmm. kind of take us to our listeners through like that creation of that list to making those phone calls to doing those visits kind of the whole yeah you know putting the recruiting class together sure sure so you know we're at the gym you know this this upcoming weekend we're going to be out uh, watching so yeah I'll, I'll be able to write down a, a few players from every team that I see and then you know I kind of go and I'll, I'll you know kind of write what kind of level I think they are um, by them with whatever skill set they have so you know, I come off the road, I kind of compiled the, the, a master list from that weekend that, that I've seen and, um, and then kind of set up a call sheet for, for myself to reach out to those club coaches and, and say, you know, hey, I'd love to talk to, you know, so-and-so, uh, you know, about the weekend and I'd love to set up a phone call to, to talk with them. And uh, so really it's the ones that I know that are going to perhaps be offerable in the future are the ones that I really want to get on the phone right away. Um, the ones that I think are, are still emerging and can get to our level, just given a little bit more time and, and practice and development, um, you know, I'm still reaching out to talk to them. So I, I really want to get just a touch on, on everyone um, that, I, that I saw that I really liked. Um, and then from there, well, nowadays we're progressing to, you know, those initial phone calls of, you know, just introducing the school and the university and a little bit about what makes our culture unique to um, possibly if they're, you know, an offerable player setting up the Zoom and, and getting to, you know, meet their family and see some people face-to-face, -face, you know, electronically, and then maybe asking them to come to campus, you know, at some point in the future. And um, we're big on relationship building. So very rarely, if ever, um, you know, Shauna is going to offer a kid sight unseen, or, you know, I come off the road and I said, I really like this kid with, she's a no-brainer offer. Shauna will say to me, we'll get her on the phone, have her call me. So I'll have a call, Coach Green, and she'll, you know, tee up a phone call. They'll talk for a little while. And then she'll probably want two or three more of those type of conversations to really build up that relationship. 
um, to make sure that it's a good fit on both sides before she tosses out an offer. Um, if she, you know, she obviously watch some film, watch the play, those kind of things. Um, but we're all about relationship building. We want to know about the player. We want to know about their family. We want to, we're going to talk to your trainer. We're going to talk to your high school coach and talk to your club coach. We want to holistically kind of understand who you are, what makes you tick and then make it to the point where if we offer you, you're in a position to say, yeah, this feels good. I'm like, I want to come to campus and I'll probably take it. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of the process of how we, we do things. Um, obviously, every class, you need something different. I think the transfer portal is bananas. So the days of saying, well, we don't need a center in that class or we, you know, we don't need a point guard in that class are, are gone. I mean, you, you have to recruit everyone. And honestly, John, like we, we look at D2 and D3 kids who are in the portal. Like when, when we first got a job at Illinois, there was a D2 player of the year that, that I was looking at and trying to see like, hey, would, would she fit this? So, I mean, it's really every level, you know, if you can play, we're, we're looking at you at this point. So then let's kind of just build on that a little bit. You know, for you, you talked about shooting in your last response, but what are some key skills you're looking for just as that player base when they come in? You know, whether whether it be shooting, whether it be uh, individual uh, yeah. defense, you know, kind of what are those key skills you're looking for as the base? And then you kind of talked about the, the um, speaking to the, the AAU coach or the, the travel coach, you know, kind of how do you establish those relationships with, you know, now that you moved to Illinois with the Illinois mm -hmm. high school coaches, with the Illinois, you know, travel coaches kind of mm -hmm. a part there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what first and foremost, you've got to be in shape. Like that, that's got to be first and foremost, you've got to be in great shape because in order for you to learn, you can't be thinking about how tired you are. So like, First and foremost, you've got to be able to take coaching while still breathing and still functioning, uh, you know, doing doing everything. Um, defensively, we say you got to guard your yard and just keep people in front. We're more of a pack line defensive team. Uh, so for us, if you can just maintain, keep your hips closed and slide, you know, uh, we, we call it a two dribble war. Uh, so, if, you know, offensive players looking to attack via two dribbles. You just got to stay in front of them for those two. We'll have a gap you know, defender will have some, some people behind. And if you can do that, then you're doing your job. Right. So just that, that kind of lateral quickness is something that we look for defensively, uh, offensively, like I mentioned before, is the versatility piece. Um, we just had our, one of our players come back from, uh, the Seattle storm, uh, training camp, a, a Dayton player who's now on staff with us, Jenna Chaconi. And she said, coach, you'd be so surprised in the training camp, how many players couldn't pass with their left hand. She's like, I, I just, I had to smile because, Shauna, you know, we do those remedial passing drills in the early part of the season or, you know, we do our, our ball transfer during the middle of the season and you got to be able to pass your left hand, pass with your right hand, have the footwork to do it. So feet passing and, and shooting, you know, and just being able to dribble with both hands. So I know it sounds like the ideal, you know, type player, but, uh, you know, the ones that are just too heavy on one side of that are kind of a turnoff. Sometimes you got to be we, we want complete players and we want players that want to be able to work towards being, you know, complete on that. Because I think the harder you are to guard, um, you know, the, the better the team is going to be because everyone's so good at scouting now and, and so detailed in how they defend people that if you take something away from a shooter and they, they can't shoot anymore, well, they're, they're useless on the court. Uh, so they got to be able to, to go by someone or, you know, come off a ball screen and, and shoot behind the screen or come off a ball screen and, and has he and attack the big. Um, 
And I think lastly is just finishing. Um, too many kids just can't finish very well in the lane. We're big proponents of playing off of two feet. Uh, I think a lot of times kids just go off of one and, and just kind of hope and pray. Um, you know, we've we spent a ton of time. Usually the first five to ten minutes of practice is all based on finishing. It's, it's something that we identified at Dayton that we struggled with after a couple of years and wanted to clean up. And that's going to be a point of emphasis from day one for us at Illinois, making sure that we're able to finish in, in every way possible. Well, you made, you made, before I turn over to Todd, you made Todd happy. You talked about footwork. So that's it. I know Todd was happy there. And, and remind me the second part of that, that question about the relationships with the, the coaches, yeah, you know, for you, you know, moving from uh, obviously mm -hmm. from Florida to now Ohio to Illinois, you know, how mm -hmm. do you go about establishing relationships with, you know, the local high school coaches? Yeah, I, I think you just got to be available to them. I think, you know, as we build out our staff, um, we're fortunate to have some good support staff roles. So uh, them getting like a database of, of you know, a lot of the, the area coaches. Um, just the other day, we were talking about, you know, all, all the co coaches that, you know, made the Elite Eight and beyond in the uh, Illinois State Playoff Tournament. You know, we wanted to get in touch with right away to, to help build a team camp list for the following year. Um, we weren't able to have much of a camp season this year because our, our open practice facility is uh, under renovation and we just don't have the court space right now to be able to, to do it. Um, but I think what I found when I got to Dayton is, is trying to connect with a few of those coaches and you, you just you got to go to them. Uh, I made several trips to Columbus, uh, a trip to Cincinnati uh, to meet with them, get a coffee, talk, talk about their players, talk about what, what interests them, talk about how you know, we can help them and, and their programs in the future, invite them up to campus, um, invite their teams up to campus to watch practice, to, to be available. So, you know, I think we'll be taking the, a similar approach here at Illinois and, and getting out to see people as opposed to just constantly trying to get them down to campus and make it a one-way street. We want to make sure that we get out and see people um, in their element and, uh, and do that within the, the reasons of, the, of compliance. All right, I'm going to go kind of uh, gonna add a little bit something here, but let, let's go video and, and breaking down film, right? Obviously, yeah. your younger days as an assistant coach, the head coach is like, I want all the pick and rolls and this and that. Yeah. And depending on how long you, you, when you started, it's a lot different than it is today. I think it's a little bit easier today to break down all that stuff. But um, when you, let's, let's compare and contrast. In your younger days, right, when you first started, maybe what are some of the things you thought you were looking for, right? And, and you wanted to look for as compared to now, some of the two or three things you're looking for for each opponent. And obviously that depends on staff and, and things yeah. like general, right? Uh, compare and contrast, like back when you first started, you're like, yeah. oh, great. And then now you're like, oh, that was, you know, cause yeah. I think that been there. I, I'll never forget my delivering my first scout uh, at Providence. We were in uh, a tournament in, uh, in the Bahamas and, and I had Alabama as it, and, and it wasn't supposed to work out that we were supposed to play Alabama. <laughs> I was kind of like the backup to the backup and some weird stuff happened and we ended up playing them. So um, when, when I broke their stuff down, I thought more, more meant better. Um, and I think, you know, now I think less is, is a lot more. Um, the kids are able to retain a lot more. I, I thought, you know, making the other team look like superstars and, and unbeatable 
uh, was good because you wanted to see them and, and make them take them seriously and everything. But it also can be discouraging. Like, how the heck are we ever going to stop this? You know, this kid just had a turnaround, fade away, like against great defense. Like, what? how are we going to stop this kid? So I think um, in my early days, it was always more and spectacular. And now uh, it's a little bit less, you know, on the personnel side, you know, how many times are you going to, you know, show, you know, Steph Curry making an open three? The guy can shoot, right? Like, it's like, how many clips of Steph Curry do you need? You know, Caitlin Clark can shoot from Iowa. Like, do we need to see one more from half court? Like, she's got range, four-point range, five-point range. Like, so, so I think, you know, in, in teaching and teaching your players, you've got to kind of invite them to understand themes of the game. So let's show them some themes of taking away space. Let's take, let's show them some themes of when that player struggled against the, the, the defense that we're about to play in. And I think interweaving those themes to get the players to be able to recite it easier when, when they need to and remember um, is, is vital. Um, it's funny. You had mentioned like the, the young dad thing earlier. And like, I, I have a track record for horrible dad jokes. Um, and I tend to sometimes throw those into my scouting reports and like, and how I'll equate different things. So, you know, when we're playing a certain team, I'll say well, the cheat code here is, is here. Like it is, you know, if you want to beat their defense, this is how you beat it. Every time, if you, if you, you know, drive baseline and this drift pass is there, that's the cheat code because they're collapsing hard on the paint. The players will be like, cheat code, coach, you, you've been playing Grand Theft Auto? Like, I was, I was like, no, my, my heyday maybe, but, you know, so um, trying to simplify things in ways that they'll understand and remember as, as quirky as it is, um, you know, so there'll be times in scouting, uh, in the scouting report that I'll, I'll lead the scout with a video or I'll lead the scout with a 30-second you know, theme of what's about to happen. Like uh, we were playing a, a team once that was, was going to really get up and play it, really try to deny and really try to, you know, swipe at the ball and, and really get up in you. And if you just got past that first line of defense, they were horrible at rotating and you were able to get all the way to the basket. And, you know, I called that the Wizard of Oz effect. And I led the scout with showing the clip of the Wizard of Oz of the great wizard, you know, that, in that final scene and then them pulling that curtain back. And it's, you know, it's just a, a little guy behind there. And I was like, this game is the wizard of Oz. Like it's going to feel like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's so crazy and so grand and powerful, but just peel back that curtain. You go forward, you're willing to go forward. You know, you're going to take some contact. You're going to be rewarded at the basket. And it was cool. Cause a few years later we were playing a team and like a player said, Hey, this is like a wizard of Oz game. And I was like, that's exactly right. So um, you never know what's going to like kind of uh, hit their memory, but I would say it's, it's less nowadays um, and more to, to how they can relate over a 30 game season. What makes each scout a little bit different? Well, I'm going to follow up before I go to the next point here. I, you obviously said less, but do you find more, uh, you know, obviously I, I found in scouts like vision stuff is so much better, right? Yeah. You like, Hey, we got this scout report, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, you know," and you got to remind them until now to be like, "Hey, don't be the one who leaves it, right?" Because they're gonna look at it like, you know, if you put the video stuff, they kind of remember it and tie tie it in. How, how do you like? You know, I know you talked about that a little bit, but um, you know, how do you kind of condense that for your kids? What What are you looking for? Like, you know, if you're teaching, say, let's pick and let's do pick and roll, right? Because everybody does. Um, how do you give that to your kids? What do you, what do you do as far as video wise or, or visual wise to show them? Yeah. So like, we'll, 
we'll go through all the personnel and like, you know, we're, we're five to six clips of every, you know, person personnel wise, you know, for some of the better players, maybe a couple more. We'll show them kind of some offensive themes, defensive themes. And we always do pick and roll because we're a pretty pick and roll like centered team um, on both sides. Like our pick and roll defense will change at different times. So, you know, when it's, you know, say we're scouting you, Todd, and, you know, we, we say like, hey, you know, Todd's teams have struggled against the hedge. Here's three or four clips of, of them struggling against the hedge. And, and this is why we're going to, to hedge at certain times. Or here's certain times that we're going to trap it because uh, we want to get the ball out of Todd's hand because he's been playing unbelievable out of the ball screen. And then for us, um, because we play with a ton of ball screens, we want to show our players like, hey, this is what their typical ball screen defense is. So, you know, if they're switching, hey, guys, let's look to throw it, throw it back and in against the switch. Or, you know, if they're going to just show low with their, their big kid, hey, like, let's they're going to show low. Our poles are going to be there right at the elbow or hesitate and, and look to attack. So having that idea ahead of time, to your point, is, is vital that you've got to be able to show them the, the proof of why we're going to do what we're going to do, as opposed to just saying on paper, like you mentioned, hey, we're just going to head to the ball screen this game. All right, so now let's move on to your transition here, right? <laughs> Same thing. You almost have to scout yourself, right, when you take over and come to a new program. Um, you know, new conference, different things. you gotta, you got to kind of be prepared for that. Um, so what was that process like for you guys of, you know, preparing yourself as coaches to, to help your players of this is what skills this player has, this is some of the things they did well in the season. Um, obviously you want to look ahead, big, you know, big yeah. conference, like, okay, what are they doing to us? Um, and also tie in your system stuff. So how, how did you guys go through that process? Yeah, I actually, when we, we first got there, um, coach green had them um, for a couple workouts and then I got there. I was one of the first assistants to get there and, um, she did not watch any film on the Illinois players, um, for probably the first month. She wanted a total clean slate of looking at them on the floor um, to, to see how they really were. She didn't want to have any preconceived notions about, you know, their their style or, or strengths and weaknesses. She wanted to totally evaluate it um, from day one. And I think that was really good and really good for the players to um, to to not have any kind of biases of, of what statistically or what on film. Uh, showed because you know every style is different you know Nancy's Nancy's style is one way you know our style will be another and um, so I think for us it was just going through that evaluation process of seeing what we valued in those practices how they responded to it and how they just responded in general and how hard they played um, so for us that was probably the, the first month and then you, know, you go back and kind of watch them against you know particular uh, defenses and, and how they handle things and how how they've done certain actions that we like to run and and whatnot. So um, that process is kind of ongoing as we really only had them for about four weeks before they left uh, to, to start taking finals. Um, and then we get them back. I think the first first or second week in June, they come back to campus and we'll be able to work with them uh, again and kind of have a whole team there. We only had five. Um, when we were there for those for those four four or five weeks, um, but we should have a whole team in that second week of June and, and be able to do it from day one. Um, but I think the big part of that will be film evaluation of what we're doing. 
not necessarily from years past. I, I think we'll have a heavy emphasis of kind of staying in the moment and staying into to what we're trying to, uh, you know, make the themes for our teams. So let's kind of build on that just before we move on. I, I wanted to talk about, you know, you're coming in, uh, you're, you're a new staff. Uh, some of the kids are new. Some of the kids are obviously uh, from Coach Face uh, staff. You know, mm -hmm. so how do you go about building that culture of, you know, we, we all have our sayings, we all have our, but how do you really go about doing that? Yeah, and it's tough too, because, you know, only having five there for those first four weeks, you don't want to overwhelm them with so much information that they're just like paralyzed in, in the workout of, of the sayings and whatnot. So to be honest with you, we, we had certain sayings that we, you know, teach and, and whatnot, but it's funny, like even breaking the huddle, like coach green had them break the huddle, however they wanted to break the huddle, you know, with whatever, whatever they wanted to say. And she kind of said, once we get the, the whole team here together, we'll kind of teach the way that we do things once, you know, and, and let everyone kind of adapt to it uh, from there. But, you know, I think the kids were really, receptive because they like ball and they want, and they want to win. Um, so I think, you know, anytime with a, a new staff, it can kind of be a little challenging. Um, but for these, you know, the, the five players that, that stayed, um, they were really receptive. They loved basketball. They were open to, to, to coaching and to doing things the way that we wanted to do it. And we also allowed them the, the time to, to fail within the practice and do it. Like we weren't going to try to throw a million things at them. We wanted them to get, you know, their footwork down on their catch and shoots, wanted to get their footwork down in the post, wanted to get their footwork to be able to, um, you know, come off of two feet in the paint and, and kick or, you know, up and under. And uh, so like all those kind of things, we, we just drilled really, really hard in those first four or five weeks to try to just get a solid foundation. And then we'll build from there. Um, how we'll teach the entire group. I think one of the, the pluses of having a lot of familiarity on the staff is, uh, and, and especially having a, a former player like Jenna Jaconi, you know, I've tasked her with kind of coming up with a, a glossary of terms uh, so that we'll be able to use some technology that we um, use to share film or scouting reports on their phones. We'll actually be able to put like a glossary together of terms that will say uh, what they mean, what they look like, some film attached to it, so that the players can always go back and be like, all right, when they say wolf, what do they mean? Oh, wolf means that someone's coming to tap the ball behind. Um, or, you know, we, we say, you know, um, you know, we're, we're going to read the ball screen. Here's what that means. You know, like all those kind of different nuances. Uh, Cause I think they look at it sometimes they're like, wait, what'd you say? We, we, we want to kick the ball up the street or across the street. What neighborhood are we living in? We're on the court. Like, <laughs> so uh, like even that stuff when we were doing our, our Phoenix transition uh, in the first couple of weeks was really funny. And, um, but we didn't want them to get paralyzed by that stuff. We wanted them to just kind of be able to go and play and, and, and execute and we'll scale it back up a little bit this summer. And then just a little bit about, you know, maybe this is a little bit more of an individual question, but, you know, we, we talked a lot about in this episode, you know, building up the program, building up the brand, building up you know, everything that has to do with the program, you know, just for our listeners, kind of talk about building yourself, building your own brand, promoting yourself as a coach. Obviously, you've worked with a lot of great people. And um, as we talked about a little bit in the beginning, it's kind of a little bit of who you know, uh, but just kind of talk to our listeners, just kind of how you've built your own brand. 
I, I think you just build it, you know, just based on the work. I mean, that's, that's something Shauna taught me at a very early age when I was a GA and she was an assistant coach at Providence. I mean, we got along great because we worked really hard and, you know, you, you saw that within each other. And um, I think there's, there's really no substitute to the work um, in anything that you do in life. And I think the right people will notice. Um, and, you know, I've been fortunate to be around really good people, to have a solid network of people that cared about my development, gave me opportunities to, um, to try new things, gave me opportunities to fail and succeed um, and allowed me opportunities to, to come back from that. So, um, my, my advice for any of that would just don't shy away from the work, try to do more than you can ask for a little bit more. Um, I think always ask is, is a, is a big thing. It's just, you know, is there anything else I can do? Um, and you're going to get someone that's going to say, Hey, would you mind trying this or, you know, and then just ask a lot of questions to, to make sure that you refine it, but the right people will notice. Um, and then, you know, develop relationships, you know, as, as you go through this, I think with young people in particular in, in college basketball, you know, the, the one knock on that is, well, they don't have recruiting experience. They don't have recruiting experience. I need, I need coaches that can go get me players. And like, there's, that's a funny saying because like, if there's no magical pixie dust that a coach picks up the phone, they're like, Oh, I have to play for them. Like, Oh, it, it develops over time. It develops over a real relationship. And I think for young assistants or young people in the profession, the only way that you show you know how to relationship build is to build with, within your network, you know, so, you know, handwrite a, a note of, of a coach that worked with your boss, you know, and, and because those are the networks that you want to be involved with. Uh, that's something that I did when I was at St. Joe's in Providence and, and even Bonaventure was, you know, constantly, you know, write those people and, and it shows the persistence. It shows that you're, you're willing to go the extra mile because that's, that's going to be the difference maker in recruiting is, like everyone has similar pitches. Everyone has, you know, great basketball and universities and all that, but like, it's the people that make these places and, you know, what makes these people different than the other ones. Um, we used to say at Dayton all the time because we would recruit against the big, big 10 all the time. I, I laugh. Everyone's like, what's it like recruiting the big 10? And I was like, we've been doing it for six years. <laughs> you know, like it's, it, it's uh it's not nothing new on that, but we used to say all the time, a, a conference doesn't make you, smile on a, on a bad day. You know, a conference doesn't walk you to class when times are tough or a conference doesn't make you feel better after a tough loss. It's, it's going to be the people that are there. And that was something that we harped on when we were at Dayton. That's something that we'll harp on when, when we're at Illinois, you know, recruiting against, you know, some great programs out there um, is, is trying to make the, the people separators uh, from everyone else that they're talking to. All right, so we're going to head into our last two segments here. We're going to start with our 30-second timeout. Um, your chance to anything, talk about anything you want. Um, you know, anything that's important to you. Doesn't even have to be basketball-related. Uh, lately, we've been having people flip it on us and ask us questions, and it's all good. So uh, your very loose 30 seconds, we're not going to be, we're not going to be hounding you, giving you the uh, second horn. Uh, no, no, it's that's fine. Uh, I love this efficient, by the way. <laughs> Everyone yeah, stand so, up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Second hour. Come on, guys. And you're the assistant in the back. You're like, I don't what do you want me to do? I can't do anything yeah. here. So yeah, yeah you're your 30 second timeout. All you coach. Um, I'll I'll keep it within the basketball realm. Wow, when I was at University of Florida, I, I wasn't an assistant coach, I was a video coordinator. So uh, one of the passion projects that I got to work on was um 
was the, the Golden State Warriors and Miami Heat had um, an article come out about the power of touch and, and how they, um, teams that high five more, were more connected, more connected teams played better, played stronger. You know, the old Coach K, five, you know, five fingers, one fist kind of philosophy. And uh, I charted it for, for two years at Florida and uh, the amount of touches that we had in practice. And we gave more value to picking someone up off the floor you know, chest bumps, like even the kids on the bench, like who would go up and down. Uh, so I, I challenge, you know, you guys and your teams and, and the basketball communities that, that listen to this is, you know, value those um, because they matter. You know, how tight your huddles are, how connected are your teams? Um, that's something that I've been really passionate about since actually studying. And uh, it's something that we'll bring with us to Illinois. But I, I challenge you as you watch the WNBA and NBA finals here over the couple uh, next couple months like see who those most connected teams are and, and really see the connectivity piece. And uh, it's really kind of special when you start noticing those little nuances, because uh, those are the, the teams that ultimately find the most success. All right. I got to ask before we go to the next one, how did you even go about doing that? You know, like, <laughs> seriously, like you think yeah. about it, like, I'm sure you've probably found that there's so many interactions that you didn't even realize, right? Like, Oh yeah, yeah they, you know, they went over there and talked during, this while I'm over here doing this. So, yeah, your, your lens totally changes in, in practice. And like, that was the cool thing. You know, at Florida, we had a good staff of, right. you know, people to actually film practice and tag practice and all that. So I was down there. And so like, literally my job is just to see like how connected we are as a team on a daily basis and chart it. So yeah, like when, when the, the players started figuring out that like I was legitimately like counting how many high fives or slaps, you know, they'd have going through a line, like they would go bananas. And, and like, just when they come out, they'd go up and then back down. And like our, our senior leader, Ronnie Williams was incredible at it. And like, she would just go up and down, but like it mattered and it, and it helped with her teammates. We showed the bond and showed she cared. Uh, it was really hard. Like I'm, I'm not a math guy. I was a language guy, English guy. So like, I'm sure my math wasn't immaculate. But, you know, you start figuring out, all right, so she goes up and down the line twice. All right, that's 20. There's like 10 kids in the line. There's a couple out on the court. That's 20 touches. So, like, I ended up having little symbols that, like, equated to 10 or 5 or, you know, things like that. Or, like, A for all, you know. And then, God, at the end of practice when Amanda would be like, hey, Rai, uh, do you get those those totals yet? I'd be like, no. Yeah, like three more kids to go, coach. I need you to filibuster for a couple more minutes. Yeah, right, right. But but it was cool because it just – change your lens of, of what you look for. So the, the best part about that is I remember reading that article and I was getting all excited. I'm like, all right, you know, we're going to, we're going to chart the touches in my program. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to be all about this. And then COVID-19. And then I'm like, nobody touched. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, nobody touched honestly, anybody anymore. Stop it. You're so right. I, it takes me back to that because I, I, I died laughing because like we're like we can't touch in the huddles like we're not we can't even do pregame high fives like we can't we can't do it. we're sitting across from each other and, and honestly like it it was it was it was hard and I think dialing it back up is going to be awesome to see but you're so right it was like the antithesis of everything that I believed in <laughs> yeah you're like never mind we had talked to Kelly Graves early in our podcast and he was like our kids can't even eat together like they couldn't. No. They couldn't eat together, nothing. It was crazy. The whole thing was, it's it's still, it's still a little. Have you guys seen those memes that are like, how do you explain this to kids like in in like 60 years? And it's like, you know, 
yeah. baptisms where like the priest is like baptizing from 50 yards away and like, yeah. just like this, the silliest stuff that we we had to why do. didn't nobody go near anybody at all <laughs> what, what what is going well, on here it was like yeah we can all play basketball but on the dead balls let's wipe the ball off i'm like all right well they've been sweating on it for 10 minutes together but let's wipe it new, off now. new jersey wouldn't let the officials touch the ball so like the ball would go out of bounds and literally they're like side bumping it and like they're like like pretending to play soccer with it to uh, to get it to the kids and stuff because they wouldn't touch it. I got, it's the most bananas thing I've ever watched on film. But yeah. all the kids could touch it, right? That that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about it, right? So the whole world went crazy for a little bit, right? Yeah. So let's uh, we we finish with our final segment. We call it quick hitters. Um, oftentimes it has to do with sports or basketball. Some of the times it doesn't. Um, we still go back to asking somebody what their favorite zoo animal was, but um, it's just a little bit of an opportunity for uh, for us to have a little fun with our guests at the end. Um, so we're going to start off with, you know, you've lived in a lot of cities. Um, give us like your favorite late night. Like it's it's uh, you talked about, you know, going home in the dark. It's a it's a dark uh, night in the season, real late, yeah. 11, 12, one in the morning. Your favorite spot to grab some food. Uh, that's, that's an easy one. That one was St. Bonaventure. That was, uh, third base wings, third base stop here before you go home was the uh, tagline of the, of the local bar. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, obviously Western New York famous for their Buffalo wings. They are insane, like really, really good, crispy, good size Buffalo wings. So that was always, always in order, you know, um, uh, you know, calling that in as soon as I got to the car to meet it there. Um, win, lose, or draw. That was always a highlight. All right, so I'm going to tweak this one a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to go best college mascot because obviously you're at Illinois, so we don't want to put you in a bad spot. But in your high school, a JUCO, yeah, yeah, whatever, like you went to this place and you're like, oh man, that's a that's pretty cool or something unique or whatever it may be. Yeah, uh, I'll give you two. Um, so as far as mascot, I, I have to defer to my alma mater, St. Joe's. Uh, the St. Joe Hall do that. does not stop flapping for the entire game, which is just the, the kids on right. full scholarship. That's just amazing in and of itself. And really anyone who sees a St. Joe men's or women's team play live are like blown away. Like during the national anthem he's got one hand over the heart the other one's going up like they're like literally even when he you know takes a sip of water he's still flapping his wings so um that one was pretty cool um and then i'll never forget i was at uh i was at uh i was in philadelphia i was watching duke men play temple men's basketball and temple had the home game at the uh at the sixers arena and uh it was the first time i had seen like the lights go off and um they uh they played fireman by little wayne and uh it, it was like the, the lights came on and like i was the hypest i've ever seen in arena and it was just it was a time and place thing that it was just i was like whoa this is this is different this is awesome um but i you know there's just so many good college traditions across uh across all of you know college sports i think any game day live thing you're going to pick up on something that's probably going to give you chills at a, at a certain point uh whether you like the opponent or or you know, you like the home team. It's um, that's what makes sports just awesome. And especially if you can get a, a loud, a loud atmosphere. So you're telling me the St. Joe's mascot has the most toned shoulders in, in, in the nation. If he's yeah, the, 
you know, they're, they're training in the summertime, throwing in, uh, throwing on a DVD of a full game and, and just trying to, you know, that just doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> it's like uh, back in the day, the Oregon Duck doing the push-ups, right, for football. <laughs> Dropping like 72 points. Yeah. That guy's just, or girl's just repping out push-ups. Yeah. All right, so you've, you've moved to Illinois now. You know, what's something you've noticed about, you know, basketball in Illinois so far? I think uh, just the level of excitement about basketball in Illinois is, is legit. Um, you know, obviously the men's program has done unbelievably well as of late with Coach Underwood uh, and just the level of support that there is and just kind of the, the enthusiasm for, uh, for Coach Green. I mean, really, I mean, it was, it was nutty. My wife was in there uh, to house hunt and she was at the, the game day spirit store and she went to check out and like the manager came up to her and was like hey uh are you leanna gensler by any chance and she was like uh yeah i, I am she's like oh your husband's uh assistant coach on the on the team she's like yeah he he is she's like is now is this your son jackson too and like he had read the whole bio and knew, like she's like the ryan that was a little different for me um but uh i think it's it's probably uh, the level of enthusiasm, to be quite honest with you, and um, that permeates through the athletic department as well, and everyone being so welcoming and uh, so supportive when we've had official visits up. Um, I think they're ahead of the curve as far as the things that they're investing in and in recovery, and like like our oven practice facility and the, the things that they're bringing in uh, for the recovery from hyperbaric chambers to cryotherapy to you know um, you name it, they they've got it um, and it's just, it feels different um, than, than any place that I've been as far as the, the wave of momentum, you know, behind us and behind the, the hiring coach screen. All right, next one. Um, I'm going to tweak this one a little bit too. I just, just thought about this. You, you got, you're going to a wedding. You got to look good, right? You got, what, what's your favorite color? What do you, what color are you going with? What's your go-to color? If like a big event, yep. what do you go well, with? It's it's really cliche, and honestly, if you asked me ten years ago or you asked me twenty years ago, it'd be the exact same. It's 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 orange and blue. Um, I, growing up in Syracuse, that that was orange and blue. I mean, it was like yeah, yeah. I told I told my dad I never thought I'd like be wearing orange and blue and it not be be Syracuse. To be honest with you, so um, I have blue eyes, so I always try to bring a little blue, much to my wife's chagrin, who always asked me to to match her outfits. Um, but, uh, it's definitely a hint of blue and, and maybe a splash of orange here or there just to be vibrant. There you go. Listen, from, before I get in, from one guy with blue eyes to the other, you, you gotta, <laughs> gotta play off. Got to. <laughs> play off. Um, all right. So I kind of tweak this one as well, but staying in that vein, uh, what is your in-game apparel? Are you a suit guy? Are you a, a quarter zip guy? What, what's your in-game apparel? Uh, I love a good suit. Um, I'm old fashioned like that. Uh, I, I thank my wife every day. I used to try to pair jackets with slacks and try to, you know, be, uh, be a peacock out there with trying to, to look good and everything. I just couldn't keep up with fashion. So she said, Ryan, just stick to a good suit. And you'll never go wrong. So um, I've, I've definitely done that. I do love the quarter zips, particularly love those on the road. It's just easier to pack those as opposed to trying to get the wrinkles out of a suit or a shirt. Yeah. Um, you never know what the, but the level of consistency of, uh, of the iron in the hotel is like, so, um, but I do love a good suit. 
You do have a great, uh, for those of you listeners that don't follow him, Coach has got a really good suit coat on in his uh, Twitter photo. Uh, he's got a really so, nice... cool story behind that um, real quick. So for my birthday, uh, we had we had a really good dresser on staff, Simon Harris. I was actually the head coach at ETSU, and he had a guy uh, in Pittsburgh where he was from that, that got him his suit. So my wife for my birthday got me connected with that guy. She, uh, she said, I want him to do something a little different. Ryan's very traditional, get him outside of his, his comfort zone. And so that's what he did. And I, I've only worn that suit once and it was for uh, that championship game. And uh, so I'm one and in that suit. So uh, I'm excited to be able to bring that out again sometime soon. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next one, uh, something you're looking to do maybe with your family or just experience now that you're, you're living in Illinois. What's something you might want to do? Uh, it's definitely reintroduced them to deep dish. Um, I've heard a few good spots locally in Champaign. Um, I think, you know, being able to get up to Chicago in a, a, a couple hours, we want, I definitely want to take the train up there. My son loves trains, uh, obviously with having the train station right there in Champaign, super easy. Um, so I think just being able to explore the whole state in that regard, um, while eating well <laughs> in that same breath. That's yes, exactly what we're looking for. You will eat well in Illinois. <laughs> I, I can promise you. Um, all right. So let's finish with, uh, you know, you had kind of talked about some, some coachy type sayings uh, earlier in the episode. You know, do you have like a favorite or a go-to or uh, like something where you'll, you'll say it and the players are like, uh, here he goes again with his saying. Oh, probably not. I, I, that's a tough one. I wish you could ask some of my players because they definitely have a, a few that would rattle off. Um, definitely the chip on the shoulder one is, uh, is, is something that I've, I've said, um, I'm definitely an eyes up, uh, kind of guy, uh, as far as, you know, always telling them to, to have their eyes up, always be a triple threat, um, on the, on the catch. Um, I, I think that's off the top of my head. Those are the, the main ones that I think of, but I, I know my players could, uh, could tell you, I know there's a few, like, really uh, they, they'll tell you like I use ridiculous phrases or like the wizard of Oz effect, you know? So it's like stuff like that, that they would tell you like, you know, coach, sometimes he pulls out these things out of nowhere. And some of these analogies that he uses are kind of crazy sometimes, but it, they'll laugh, but then they'll remember it. And, uh, and, and as long as they remember it, I'm great with it. Well, coach, first of all, as, as we end the episode here, welcome to Illinois and, and thanks for joining us. We, we really appreciated your time and having you on today. Thank you guys so much. This was a, a special treat and excited to be here and, and be able to follow the podcast going forward for all the great speakers you guys bring on. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Flicky. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching After the Timeout. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more coaching content in-game, out of the game, and anything in between.